Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So two minutes ago or so, right before this show started, I was doing some recording, some radio stuff for commercials and ads that I voice, you know, businesses that I endorse. And I I, I did like three or four of them. And a couple of them are bars and restaurants. It's like, it's it's fish fry season. It's fish fry. Like that's, that's all that I'm talking about and promoting right now. I just love this state. I love our sports teams. That's the whole point of the show. That's why I'm here every day, obviously. But I just, I love every part of the stupid state that we live in. Highways, uh, counties, state parks, county parks, national park. We don't have a national park in Wisconsin, do we? I don't think so. Could be wrong. Correct me angrily on Twitter if I'm wrong. I just love every part of the state, including fish fry culture. I don't know who came up with the fish fry, but it was it was quite... It was quite a a good, it was a good idea, right? You got all these Catholics who can't eat meat on Fridays, can't eat meat today because it's Ash Wednesday. So before you think about stopping at McDonald's on the way home, think again because grandma's watching or she knows if grandma's up in heaven, she's watching. And if she's somewhere on this planet right now, she knows she can sense it. You're eating meat. All right. So don't put it down. But somewhere along the history of, of our state and the history of the human race, we really got really got good at thinking of life hacks. It's like, so we can't eat meat on Fridays. Fish, though, that doesn't count. Fish, really? Anything in the Bible? Or just paging through the Bible. What does the Bible say? No, oh, nothing about fish? Well, what if we just deep fry the hell out of it and serve it with tartar sauce and a bunch of French fries? Yeah, it's sacrifice. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be tough. It'll be tough every Friday. Not able to eat meat. I guess we'll settle for fried fish. If you one thing, if it's like raw fish, sushi, right? That feels kind of minimalist. Now, sushi is delicious as well. But like if it, if it was like smoked, you're allowed smoked salmon or smoked trout. I feel like that would be a good compromise between God and humans. It's like, all right, you can't eat meat. You can eat fish, but the fish can only be so good. Don't think about deep frying that. No, 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 no. Don't think about deep frying the fish. Col- no, no coleslaw either. No mashed potato or supposed to be sacrificing here we're supposed to be fasting yeah happy ash wednesday no meat today don't even think about it and if you already flubbed if you already had meat today you forgot you didn't even realize well say some extra prayers okay it's it's a problem can't be eating meat today it's fish fry season god i can't wait for friday night i'm i'm definitely going out for a fish fry Ebo will be back from vacation i'm gonna ask for some recommendations about spots to hit madison i i do love a good fish fry and fish fry it's a part of our culture i love Everything about this dumb state, not just our really, really dumb sports teams like the Brewers and the Bucks, Badgers basketball. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a great day. A very happy Ash Wednesday to you and a happy Valentine's Day as well. And I, I feel like those two things are in very strong opposition. Like you th- think of the things, just stay with me for a sec. Think of the things that a couple, two individuals, two significant others, think of the things that, that couples do to celebrate Valentine's Day, okay? Make a list, three or four things. I would do that, 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 okay. 
Then, on the other hand, think of how how should I spend Ash Wednesday if I observe, if I am a Roman Catholic, the one true faith? Not really. <laughs> the Venn diagrams don't really converge. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not the different activities. OK, so I don't really know how we're supposed to handle today. We're doing our best. Happy Valentine's Day, though. I hope you're having a, a splendid romantic time with you and your loved one. And if you're single, I was at Walmart earlier today and the lint truffles were on sale. And I know lint truffles are supposed to be like this romantic kind of sweet special occasion treat. But single folks, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being single today. Don't get down on the dumps. You get to do whatever you want today. So don't act like you're persecuted today because you're not. And also, there's nothing stopping you from going to the store and buying a $10, like 20 pack of of assorted lint truffles and just taking them home and going to town. Well... Laying back on the couch, hand in pants, curb your enthusiasm or something dumb on the TV, right? It's not too bad. Don't act, If you're single today, don't act like you're persecuted. You're, you're doing just fine. Happy Valentine's Day. We're going to celebrate Valentine's Day tonight by talking about sports. What else? Badgers basketball, the Bucks. Ty Windish of the Eurostep podcast going to be here in about 15 minutes. I asked Tyler earlier today. I said, Ty, can you come on tonight? It's been a while. Do you have any spare time? And he's like, well, I got to make Valentine's dinner with my wife or my, I can't remember if he said wife or girl. I think he said wife. Um, and I said, well, let's just go right away. Then, then we can set him free. So we're going to talk to Ty next after this first break. Uh, and then we can talk on the phone, you and me, we can go back and forth. I want to talk NFL, some Super Bowl takes, some delayed Super Bowl takes after we've had some time to ponder and process. I think I have some, some more accurate Super Bowl takes now a couple days removed. So I want to talk about that. Coming up in a bit. 608-321-1670. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Uh, Bobby and Eau Claire says, I had a chicken tender melt for lunch. Lutheran lunch better. Look, I'll pinch my tongue about how I feel about Lutherans. Okay? I'll... Not today. Okay? It's a holy day. <laughs> Lutherans. Okay, I'm going gonna... to keep my thoughts to myself. Badgers. Badgers bounced back last night. They beat Ohio State at home. They actually got Chris Holtman fired today. So Greg Gard... Uh, John Rothstein always refers to him as the silent assassin. In the case of, of this game, and in the case of Chris Poulton getting fired, that, that might be true in a literal sense. He is an assassin and that he got an opposing coach fired after last night. I'm struggling with how to feel about this one. I might need your help reacting to this game over the course of the next two hours. I'm not really sure how to feel about this. Now, I'm thrilled today. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely thrilled that we don't have to push the panic button. Because if the Badgers lose last night, in just about every conceivable circumstance, I'm trying to, well, if there was foul trouble, if there was weirdness. But Ohio State's really bad. Like, I actually can't conceive of a reality in which the Badgers lose last night's game and it somehow ends up being okay. We were pushing the panic button today if the Badgers didn't win. So I am happy that we're not doing that. Right, That is a great outcome. Thumbs up. They could have won by one point. And it's like, all right, at least we don't have to push the panic button today. But I guess... I'm still left wanting just a little bit more after last. It's just a little bit more. They were up at one point by 17 and then it got down to five and then the Badgers pulled away at the end. They end up winning by eight and I think they were favored by like nine. So that's not a ridiculous outcome, but they were up huge. They got off to a hot start. They at one point led by 17. They were at home against a really bad opponent. So bad coach got fired today. I guess I just, I wanted a little bit more. I know it's hard to win in the Big Ten always. That's a conference win. And there are no free wins in conference play. And that's half cliche, but I also half completely mean it because these teams see each other multiple times throughout the year. They know each other. They know these arenas. It's tough to get conference wins, even if you're playing one of the the bottom of the barrel teams in the conference. 
I would have loved to see them slam the door. I would have loved to see a resounding win. They end up winning by eight. Not the end of the world, I guess. They worked the ball on offense. They got the ball down into the post to both Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall. That's the recipe. We talked about that with Nick Oson yesterday. But that's also what's so frustrating is this is not state secret. These are not like hidden texts that need to be discovered somewhere. It's easy and obvious. The ball needs to go to Crowell. The ball needs to go to Wall. I know it. You know it. They know. Everyone knows it. This is easy. They have the answers to the test. And for the last couple of games, I've, I've seen them flounder trying to take this test. It's like, hey, you have you have the answer. You know how this works. You know how to pass the test. And they just they haven't done it. They haven't done the things they know they need to do. And Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall are very good. And I downplayed Stephen Crowell and his ability and his skill set with Zach a little bit this morning on the morning show. It's like, look, he's no Ethan Happ. He's no Frank Kaminsky. He doesn't have a deep bag of post moves. And he's like, he's not the most gifted scorer in the post I've ever seen, but he's so much bigger than everyone else. And he's got an okay bag. Like you got to get the ball down there to him. Him and Wall are also both very smart and they're both great passers. Right. And that allows other other players around the arc, whether it's Klesmet or Hepburn or Store, to cut and to move and to find open windows and to get the defense in rotations. This is easy. Okay, this is not hard. And I, I wish it wouldn't take this many games for them to figure it out. Happy that they ended the losing streak. Don't get me wrong. It's a little frustrating because I'm I'm watching. It's like I have a child and my child is struggling in school to pass the test despite having the answers to the test. It's a little frustrating. AJ Store last night, Stephen Crowell, both with double doubles. I was in a post game space last night with some of our our hardo degenerate Badger fans. Cone Roller was in there. Lacroix Butler even making an appearance, which was which was a, a privilege. Ben Kenny appeared at one point. Dave from Monona was there. Vagabond John as well, walking back from the game. And Vagabond John, it a good take. I might steal it. I, I think the key for the Badgers, if you can get Crowell and Store to combine for about 30 points, you're in a really, really good spot. Whether that's Crowell going for 20 and, and Store going for an efficient 10, maybe they both score 15. If you can get about 30 points from those two guys, you're in a really, really, really good spot. I think that's a reasonable foundational take to have about this Badgers team. And I want to tip my cap, Vagabond John. I thought was very smart bringing that up in our little post-game space last night. And I don't, again, I don't want to downplay this win. I know I'm complaining about how frustrating this team has been at times over the last couple of weeks. Don't want to downplay this win. The mojo had been bad. The momentum was negative. They had lost four in a row. When you lose one game, I think it becomes easier to lose the next and the next and so on and so forth. So for this team last night to slam on the brakes, to stop the slide and to get a win even if I would have liked it to be a little bit more of a confident, you know, slamming door win to slam the brakes, to stop the slide and to get a win is a big deal. And now hopefully we watch our team, the Badgers build on this yet again. I want to look a little bit better, a little bit more confident in the next game. And I think Iowa is a pretty good opponent because they're really small inside. They, they play a really soft baby handed style of basketball that has no business being in the big 10. And we talked about this the first time they played, right? Iowa is this jump shooting, soft, uh, hat backwards to quote Colin Cowherd type of team. And I think it's the perfect team to get Crowell and continue to keep him rolling, to get Tyler Wall involved, to do the things that this team knows they need to do. It'll be easier to do those things against Iowa. So I think that matchup is, is going to be favorable for the Badgers continuing to build the way that they need to build coming out of this losing streak. All right. Bucks also played last night. I don't, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to make of this. I don't. You know, Miami hit every single three-pointer in the first quarter. They hit like six of eight or eight of ten or something ridiculous like that. But they hit every three every time they play the Bucks. I'm like, I, I'm not going to be that moron who sits on my couch and is like, they can't keep it up. There's no way they keep shooting like this. Oh, the, but they will. <laughs> they can, they have, and they will. They will again. They will until the end of time. It's just this weird, weird, weird thing that I can't explain. I strangely think the Bucks did some good things watching in the first quarter. I'm like, okay, I like that. I like, I like that. But, you know, they, they just didn't appear to want to really buckle in on defense last night. And, and we can nitpick the defense and we complain that Miami is making every single shot, yada, yada. We, we can talk about all these, these exterior factors. But the cold, hard truth I hate to keep saying this and I hate to keep banging this drum, but it's the most important, accurate drum that I can bang about the Bucks this year. This version of Damian Lillard is not the version that John Horst was hoping to acquire when he made this trade. And I'm not trying to pick on Damian Lillard. I understand he's going through some personal things and he's living in a new city and he's gone through a, a split in his family that really, really sucks for him. And I'm not trying to pick on him. I'm not trying to scapegoat him. I want him to succeed and I want him to succeed with the Bucks. I want this to work. But this is fact. This is reality. The Bucks recipe this year, stop me if you heard this before, take a drink. Not actually, it's Ash Wednesday, that would be wrong. The recipe this year was, we're going to take a step back on defense, but we're going to add a stone-cold offensive killer. It's going to make Giannis's life easier. We're going to have a, a, a more consistent, a more trustworthy second option offensively, and we're going to add a guy that can get us out of sticky, frozen, tough spots in big moments in the playoffs against really good opponents. And we haven't seen how the playoffs are going to go yet, but we're well over the halfway point of the season, and it just doesn't seem like that recipe is coming together. And if Dame can't ultimately be that guy, if he can't be the guy in the idea that the Bucks acquired, then this isn't going to work. And I know Dame is going to have off nights. I'm not an idiot, okay? Well, mostly. I, okay, I'm kind of an idiot, but not on this. I know I'm not an idiot on this. Going into last night, Ty Windish tweeted out these numbers last night, and he's going to join us up after this next break. Damian Lillard in 2023, this was going into last night's game, or in 24, excuse me. So from January 1st, the first of the year to now, Lillard is averaging 23 points, six assists on 40% shooting from the field and 29% from three. That's not going to cut the mustard. That's Chris Middleton production on way worse efficiency. That's, I mean, look, you, you just asked Drew Holiday to jack up a bunch of spots. He could mostly get you that, mostly, not every night, but mostly. Those numbers, that's just not going to do it. That's not going to cut the mustard, right? And if you look at the splits in wins versus losses, Dame is a big factor. His numbers in wins are okay. There we go. That's what we're looking for. And his numbers in losses are like, mm. It's not going to cut the mustard. It's not going to do it. So we'll talk more about this with Ty. This is why I love giving my piece, saying my piece about a team and then instantly having a guest on because I can be like, hey, this is what I just said. This is kind of what I'm thinking. Am I wrong? Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yell at me if I'm wrong. So if I'm wrong about any of this, Ty will let us know. I want to talk about Dame. I want to talk about the defense, Doc Rivers, all the things with the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk more Badgers basketball. and we'll talk NFL in the second half of the show as well, continuing to react to the big game. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, Wisco Grant. I have 
my mentions are a disaster. It's a mix of Ash Wednesday discourse and spots in Wisconsin that should be a national park. Uh, how we do it says Tim's Hill. That's like a glorified like septic mound, dude. Like if we're gonna make Tim's Hill a national park, that's Price County, right? I'm thinking of the right Tim's Hill. If we make Tim's Hill a national park, then like I don't, I don't, I don't know where the bar is set. Like the Jack Links plant up in Minong then has to be a national park. Like that's that's a very low bar. Uh, and Bobby and Eau Claire says he's a Lutheran. He ate a chicken tender melt for lunch. Well, dude, whatever. Um, you know. Your faith, your choice, I suppose. I would never. Uh, I ate a fish sandwich, a fish, a fillet of fish, which is obviously much more respectful for religious. It, I'm not saying it makes sense. Ty Windish is here. Uh, Ty, this is the show that you're joining. Do you have any thoughts on anything you just heard? Yeah, I feel like being the highest point in Wisconsin is like being the best player on the 0-16 Detroit Lions. So I think yeah. I'm with you on Tim. It's nice. It's a good thing to know, I guess, but... Um, a, a national park status is like a whole different ball game. So yeah, I agree with you on, on that take for sure. Uh, not going to wait into Ash Wednesday at this time have not practiced in too long. I feel like I'm not connected enough to the, to the day anymore to offer up much, much of a take on that. I have no commentary on, uh, religious dietary restrictions at this yeah, time. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll fight that battle once you're gone. Well, just talked a little bit about the Bucks and the Heat before we took that last break and before I brought you in. Ty, by the way, hosts the Eurostep podcast. You can find him on Twitter and please, please follow him on Twitter and consume all this content. I get that it's a long season. Okay. I am not naive. I'm not some boob who thinks that the Bucks need to like pedal to the metal all night, every night. Like I, I get how it works. But I'm a little sick of turning on the TV or I've been to a couple games at Fiserv where I watch the first quarter. I'm like, oh, so we're just not going to do the thing tonight like we're just not again here and there it happens I feel like it's happened a little bit too much with this Bucks team and it, it's getting on my nerves just a little and I don't think I'm un, an unreasonable fan for thinking that am I Ty no I don't think so especially not this one I feel like this was probably the first time it really happened with Doc you could say the Timberwolves game but given the context of Dame and Chris Middleton being out for that one and if I recall correctly, I mean, I think until like second quarter or early second half, it was actually pretty competitive. And then at a certain point, the Wolves just knocked down all their shots and the Bucks clearly didn't have the juice to run with them. But I think it was kind of understood. I think that game didn't have people as frustrated. Timberwolves are really good. And uh, the Bucks were, that might've been part of a back-to-back as well, or right after the long road trip and just didn't have the horses. The Heat game frustrated me too. And I think, especially given they had just held their last two opponents, the Hornets and I'm blanking on who the other team was a good team, the Nuggets. Yes. Thank you. So under 100 points back to back. And it was like, okay, the foundation is defense, new identity, all this other stuff. And then they were just horrible on defense, pretty much the whole game against Miami. I mean, we all know it's difficult to guard uh, Bam Adebayo, who is probably the best illegal screener in the league when he's working with all those shooters. Like, it's a, not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying it's, yeah. you know, just figure it out and block all those shots. But the defensive effort was just poor. They looked like they had never seen this stuff before, even though obviously the Heat doing similar things have given them fits for years and other teams as well. I mean, that's going to be one of the main ways to attack a drop is using dribble handoffs. And we all know Bam Adebayo is one of the best dribble handoff guys in the league. 
and it just looked like they were too slow, too old, just not competitive. The heat shot a little above what you'd expect, but the shots were wide open, so you kind of, you know, mess around and find out. Especially, especially friendly phrase. Yeah, well, especially early. Like they hit a ton of them yeah. early, but then at the first quarter, it was like a ten eight point game. It's like okay, you absorbed this crazy shooting performance in the first quarter. It's not like they put them away. It's right. not like they shot the Bucks into submission, but the Bucks ended up submitting anyways. Yeah, yeah. It it, felt, it feels like sometimes that they're just. They just don't stay poised long enough. And I don't, I can never identify like, um, was it conditioning? They've been a very good second night of a back to back team this season. They would have been first in the league if they had won that game. They didn't, they're still top five somewhere and just record on the second night of a back to back. Um, but it, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's just like an effort, like a energy level thing, if it's lack of interest in some of these games, it is a long season. I, I don't find that particularly acceptable if that's what it is uh we know miami how they work and everything like you just have to be better prepared than i think they were and then the other issue i think is um you know the way damian lillard has shot the ball has just really hurt milwaukee and i know you um had kind of reached out saying that that was something that you were interested in talking about and i think in a lot of these games like maybe they still lose that game if the game plays pretty well the way they defended like it's certainly possible and he had like what that one was back-to-back possessions where he hits pull up threes. It's like okay, it's time. Like here comes the explosion, and then then you're right back in it. And then you know who knows what could happen from there. And it just went away right again. Like he he missed a dunk, and then the game was kind of over not too long after that. And I do think at a certain point, when you talk about all this other stuff, new defensive coverages, new coach. You know, should Andre Jackson be in the rotation? Should Marjan Bochamp be in the rotation? Should AJ Green play? Should Pat Connaughton play? All this other stuff. Like, if Dame is going to be this guy that we've seen in 2024, does it matter? I don't know if it does. Probably not, frankly. At the highest, highest level, it probably doesn't, which is sad. It, you know, I like talking about the minutiae. I'm going to continue doing it, but it's kind of just hard to escape feeling right now that, like, you know, we're arguing about the paint color and the house is on fire. So this was my next question to you because you tweeted something along these lines last night, and I bookmarked it because it's something that I've been saying throughout the season so much people are probably – sick of hearing it like we can talk about like rotations and how Bobby Portis is fitting and all these things but if you think of this team big picture John Horst made the Dame trade because he thought all right we'll take a small step back on defense we can afford to sacrifice a little bit there look at the Nuggets they weren't like a particularly outstanding defensive team they were good enough but they had an offense that could unstick itself in crunch time with guys who could create their own shot. And that's really what the Bucks have been lacking. So you give up a little bit of the defense. They had a surplus to that. We'll bring in Dame and he will be the missing piece in all of these different ways. And I'm with you. If Dame isn't the missing piece that they thought he was going to be, and he's just a, a pretty good offensive player, then I, then I don't know that anything else matters. And I know that's a really defeatist, like, bummer way to look at this team, but until the Dame piece works the way they envisioned it working, not, like, Bobby Porter, that doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. They're dead on arrival, like you tweeted last night. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, they can't be the team that they were when they won in 21 anymore. The option is gone. They can't be the best defense in the playoffs who can hold the Nets or the Suns to 90 and win the game. Yeah. Like, I, I think they can be better than they were in, during their worst defensive moments. They can be better than they were last night against Miami, for sure. I'm not saying they, they're doomed to be bad or they, they, they can just give up. And I do think outside of that game, Doc has kind of stabilized their defense in a way that is nice to see. And they had been defending at a very high level. I still think just quick teams are a problem for them. And I think that you probably just need more youth in the rotation I think that's something that's going to be a big 
kind of battleground to watch with Doc. And again, like I'm still going to look at these things. I still think these things matter enough. But, you know, if Dame is, I think in 2024, it's like 39% from the field, 29% from three, 23 points a game. Like if that's, if that's Dame in the playoffs, you know, maybe you win a round, maybe you win two rounds. You're not going to win a title like that. No. And and it's sad because I'm mean, Giannis, I think is better than he's ever been. I think Chris, when he was healthy, looked awesome. And I, I don't think this is not sourced. I don't think he's going to be out for forever from now. I think they pretty much just wanted to give him the break and not, not test that, that ankle, but it's an ankle. Someone landed up. Someone was under his landing space. It happens. I'm not super worried about all that stuff, but uh, Chris looked great from the mid range. I think Brooks still looks awesome around yeah. the rim. Uh, some of the role players are certainly leaving a lot to be desired. Malik Beasley though, is I think really taking even more strides defensively. His offense is great. Like a lot of the pieces are there and it, it can be defeatist or it can be like, I trust Dane to figure this out. And if you do, and if he does, then they're in a position to go win a title. It's a little frustrating and, and just, you know, you almost feel helpless. We're all helpless anyway. I mean, we, we sit here and act like, that's true. you know, <laughs> um, we're going to figure out the rotation tweak and the coaches are going to listen. It's going to make a difference, but it feels even more helpless. Cause it's like, yeah. I don't even know what can be done. They've given them the ball more. They've, you know, changed this rotation pattern a couple of times. They changed the coach. And it's like, okay, at a certain point, like, and I understand a lot going on in his personal life. I, I want to be I'm trying to be, I think I have been pretty respectful of all that. It's like the performance just has to be better if the Bucks are going to do what, what we all want them to do and what they want to do this season. Well, I was going to ask you next. You're just beating. This is why I asked you on. This is what, this is what I love <laughs> is when I feel that like certain topics and talking points match up with a guest. This is what I love when it times up like this. I was going to ask you what more they could do for Dame. I, I don't know. It, you gave us a quick little list. Is there something night to night where you're watching and you're like, they need to do this with Dame or they need to use him differently or they need to set him up like this? Or is it just a matter of him? kind of becoming more comfortable and just knocking down shots, not to simplify it to that, but it might be that. Uh, I, I I think one thing I would like is just running more pick and roll with them. Um, frankly, probably even a little more, I don't want to reduce what they do, but more non Giannis pick and roll with Dame because Giannis just sets screens pretty terrible a lot of the time. Like he just treats it like a, like a pre-switch and like yeah. he just kind of sets the screen, stands there, gets the ball and that doesn't help Dame. So I do think that probably is the number one thing I would look at and say, that's not putting him in a good spot because those possessions sometimes are a waste of time. Part of it, Giannis just needs to actually set the screen more. And I get, um, he does a whole lot for the bucks on both ends and setting screens is hard work. And I don't expect him to set 30 hard screens a night, but when he does it, he just has to screen a little bit harder, I think. And, or they could reverse it and let, let Dame screen for him and, and pop. But that's again, not his comfort zone, but that would work really well too. But, like, let Brooke and Bobby, I think, especially Bobby, screen firm. And those non-Giannis lineups when it's Dame and Bobby Portis, like, I've had enough of the post-ups. I don't think it helps anyone. Bobby doesn't pass out of them enough. He doesn't get to the basket enough. That's what drives me crazy is he'll have a 6'6 guy on him and fade away, and he makes it, you know, whatever, 44% of the time, whatever that shot is, which is okay, but not very good. It's not 60, which is what the percentage would be at the rim. So I would like to see the Bucks more go, okay, Brooke, you're going to set three screens in a row for Dame. Bobby, Giannis isn't on. You're going to screen for Dame five times in a row. And Dame's going to be able to run that spread pick and roll that he ran all those times in Portland. And you set the screens hard, give him some more space, give him some more room to operate. So I do think for how much talent the Bucks have, the, the spacing is cramped for Dame, especially when he drives a lot of the time. So I think that's the number one thing I would try to do more, try to get him in that comfort zone of, Let's just do the spread pick and roll more. Let's get you real screens and get you real more room to operate. And hopefully that can kind of get in a rhythm and he can more further acclimate to off ball and, and just being a catch and shoot player sometimes, which certainly he is not used to doing. 
Ty Windish is here. Eurostep podcast. It's outstanding content. I love you and your your couple co-hosts. You're always cranking out great Bucks content. And if you're interested in the herd and guys who are kind of on the roster bubble and, and coming up and down, Ty does a great job covering that. Let's finish with some Doc Rivers discussion. Uh, let's do a compliment sandwich. Let's start with a nice thing about Doc that you like, and then we'll do a criticism, and then we'll end with another positive. Let's start with what is one good thing, Ty Windish, that Doc Rivers has done in his time here so far? Uh, I think number one is probably the impact on defense. Uh, the okay. way they're defending, kind of more reminiscence. We kind of just, it's like that meme of like, you know, copy my homework, but don't make it look too obvious. There's a lot of bud stuff here, but it's, there's only, there's like four ways to defend in the NBA. So I'm not realist. I'm not saying he yeah. like plagiarized Bud's defense, but it's those concepts and they're working. I, I think they didn't work at all against Miami. Cause that's just, that's a problematic matchup. It didn't, work, didn't I, work for Bud either. So that tracks. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think like not having Jimmy made it work even worse just because there was actually more spacing on the floor. Although Jimmy shot the ball well against the box. So it probably wouldn't matter the playoffs anyway, but, um, but I think that the way they've defended has been better. Um, and I think I'll, I'll use this as the other one. Uh, one thing I don't like, uh, people get mad about the lineups. I've never been one who gets real mad about like a bad lineup for two minutes. Like, I don't know. People can get mad about it. Maybe in the playoffs, I'd be more mad about it. Especially like last night, though, like none of the lineups were working. I was like, let's try something. Let's Why see. Let's, and, and I think, you know, you play without Damon Giannis. When Chris isn't out there, you get more time with them both. And I, I kind of see the vision in that, even if those lineups aren't, weren't working very well for him last night. But uh, the one thing I don't like is the young guys just being mostly gone. Mostly uh, Andre Jackson Jr. and Marjan Bochamp. AJ Green's gotten some run, which is nice. But I think like that game... That was the perfect game to say, okay, you know, Jay Crowder, you've been playing a lot for us. You do your part. Really, you're just not having a positive impact on this game at all. We're going to give Marjan or we're going to give Ajax a chance. And just we need more athleticism. We need someone who can hang around these screens. I mean, Ajax may have done four fouls in two minutes in that game with the way they were screening, but but give him a shot. And and I think that's probably the thing I haven't liked the most. Uh, And then the other thing I like is just, you know, he, I think, is getting more out of the players, not just how he's using them, but like, you know, really calling out, like, we need to get around screens. Like, we can't just die on screens. Like, we can't do that. We're going to look at this film. You're going to have to sit here and watch you die on these screens for 40 minutes in film. Like, we just can't. And I think, and I obviously wasn't in the room when Adrian Griffin was coach, but it seems like he's getting more effort on defense out of them with some of this stuff and more correctable. And I think it makes sense if you think about first-year head coach in this room with Giannis and Dame and all these vets versus Doc, who's, you know, been hired and fired, had half a dozen times has yeah. been around the league has won a title has the respect of everyone except for, you know, NBA Twitter. Uh, I think he's probably in a position to more better get away with that or be able to do that. And I'm glad he is. Cause this team, you know, outside of just like inexplicable Dame performance and so, and defensive strategy, you know, they, they weren't putting in enough on defense. It didn't last night. I'm sure there's going to be another uncomfortable film session. Maybe right now as we're talking, uh, I think it's good. I mean, I think these guys need to be pushed. I think that's what great coaches do. I always think about Ty Lue telling LeBron in the 2016 finals, you're not doing enough. And LeBron being like, what are you talking about? But then he did go and do more somehow. I think that's an important thing. And I think uh, Doc can probably provide that. Well, and I think these guys... Uh, Giannis and and Brooke and and Bobby, there there's some of the players on this team that I that I would bet I would I wouldn't know and, and wouldn't be sourced, but I would bet that they they like to be coached hard to a certain level. I don't think these guys yeah. get offended. 
by hard specific driven coaching. Some teams in the NBA might not operate that way. I, I, I don't doubt that the Bucks enjoy good hard coaching. I don't know if you can scream at them all the time, right? I think even yeah. the, the toughest teams have their limits in, in that way. But Ty, I appreciate you. Is there anything special or specific coming up on Eurostep that like I can plug or promote like anything? Um, there's just the pod itself, really, man. I appreciate all the kind, kind words you have and the opportunity of having me on here. Uh, but you know, we're just going to have a bunch of coverage leading up to the playoffs. We do every playoff game. So that's really going to be the big thing. Um, but you know, nothing too special at the moment we have planned outside of just two to maybe three podcasts a week covering all things bucks. Uh, we might do a deeper dive into Dame soon. Cause that is just oh, such yeah. a big thing and we haven't done too much. So maybe, maybe that'll be a full pod. People can look forward to sometime here. Uh, but no, otherwise just, you know, whatever's going on, we'll be covering it. Uh, whatever it may be. It's been a, <laughs> more than I ever expected over the course of the season so far, hopefully not as much wildness, uh, but we'll, oh, we'll stay tuned to the buyout market and see it when oh, they yeah. actually bring someone in. That'll be a, a big one for sure. PJ Tucker soon emoji question mark. We don't know. We don't know, but you guys will talk about it. I'm sure I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to talking again. Thank you, Ty. Yep. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate it. Appreciate you and happy Valentine's day. And have a good one. Ty Windish, Eurostep podcast, consume his content, please support him. Uh, support everyone that's willing to come onto the show and, and give some of their time to helping us break down this, that, and the other thing. We can continue to talk about all those things. I want to bring Badgers basketball back into it. Take some of your calls. Hour number two, I have some NFL Super Bowl theories that I've been cooking up. Now that we've had a chance to stew on the Super Bowl and the Niners and what Shanahan did and what Mahomes, I think by this point in the week, we've started to settle in on some accurate, very measured, very reasonable takes. Whereas maybe Sunday night, Monday, we're reacting and we may be losing sight of the plot. I think reasonable. Here's what I'll promise to you. Reasonable, rational, measured, cogent football, NFL, Super Bowl analysis in hour number two. That's what you can expect. Up until then, I don't know. We might go back to talking about Ash Wednesday and Tim's Hill. But at five o'clock, man, I can I can promise football coverage. We're back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Great conversation with our friend Ty Windish from the Eurostep podcast. We're all tied up for the last 50... for the last 15 minutes or so. I just love coming up with nicknames and fun catchphrases for guests. I was posting Bill's podcast earlier today, and we had Jim Polzine from the State Journal on in the final hour of the show. Talk Badgers basketball. And in the podcast, I said something like, I typed this in for the description. Bill was joined by Jim, quote, open Jim, unquote, Polzine to talk Badgers basketball. Like, I just, I find that stuff hilarious. It's dad, it's dad humor. It really is. And I get a kick out of it. If you want to talk Badgers hoops, Bucks basketball, you want to talk about the NFL, the Super Bowl, I have takes. I've been stewing and reflecting and pondering about the Super Bowl for the last couple of days. I think reaction was probably a little wild and harsh and out there on Monday. Kyle Shannon's an idiot and Mahomes this and Chiefs that. And I, I think now after a couple of days, we've started to settle in on some really, really good conversations. So I want to talk about the Super Bowl and we'll talk about the Packers as well in the second half of the show. 608. 608- 321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Grant. I love a good nickname. Right? Tony from I, Texas. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's bigger in Texas. You know, 
all my exes live in Texas. All your exes probably do, although you seem to have a lot of exes. They're probably spread all throughout the, the union, not just in yeah, the Lone Star we State. Yeah, we got a few in the Southwest, a few back in the Dairyland. But, Where, uh, where's, where's the weirdest place one of your exes reside? There's got to be an odd one. Uh the suburbs of Toronto. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I asked. I was going to guess Delaware. All right, Toronto. I got gotcha. you. Worldly, Tony. You're a worldly man and a worldly dater. Yeah. Hey, uh, I was going to ask you about um, or talk to you about this Ty Windish little talk here. I thought he made a good point. Now, I've been on Giannis a lot the last few years, and people have picked up on it, and I don't want to pile on Giannis because he is the greatest player in Milwaukee Bucks history. But – Giannis does not set good screens. Oh my God, we Grant, we teach that from the ground up, like grade school basketball. I am huge on the pick and roll, and Giannis. This goes back to Giannis not either either caring or not understanding. You've got to set a good screen for the guard. You need to force the defender to make a choice to switch, to go under, or to go over. Like yep. you, you can't set a poor enough screen where that defender doesn't have to make a decision. Because that's like I'm no basketball coach, Tony, but the idea of setting a screen is you're forcing the defense to act and rotate and get into an action. That's why you're doing it. Oh, we spend so much time on that in, in practice. But I, you know what? I think the Bucks need to go in hibernation. Don't even talk about the Bucks. Maybe another NBA team. They don't deserve our attention right now. I, I have a couple of things I do want to talk to you about. Yes. One is the NFL. Before we put, you know, close the door in this season and go into the next season, it, this is a huge off season. Do you not agree? Just a lot of moving parts, a lot of things going on here. Yes. And I am looking at the draft coming forward. Our Green Bay Packers have the uh, the fifth most draft capital uh, out there right now. There are four teams that are ahead of them. I want you to tell me which one you think has the best chance to make the playoffs next year. Here you go. This is the four that have the most draft capital. Arizona Cardinals, Chicago Bears, Washington Commanders, New York Giants. Out of those four, who could you see making the playoffs? Hmm. So I think Kyler Murray is underrated. Right now, I do too. I, 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 I'm not saying that he's like the best quarterback in the world, but I think we've we've lost maybe how talented and how good he can be when he's right. Hmm. Hmm. I'm tempted to say the Giants because I think the Eagles are vulnerable. I think the Cowboys are vulnerable. I think that division could be had. Plus, no one wins that division in back-to-back years. No one, no one goes back-to-back in the NFC. So I'm, I'm tempted to say the Giants, but the Bears also interest me because the Bears got a lot of pieces. And if Caleb Williams gets there and is at least pretty good right away, I think their their floor is like eight wins. They they, they would be very similar next year to what the Packers were last year. So maybe the Bears, as weird as that sounds, and as hard as it is for me as a Packers fan and owner to say. Yeah, Bart Winkler said the same thing in the Bears. I think all four have their pluses, a lot of minuses, of course. But, you know, those teams, I think one of those teams will make the playoffs. So our Packers, though, have the number five draft capital coming into this season. Not many free agents that I really care about re-signing. You know, if they sign our guy, John Runyon, great. But, you know, the Packers are set. They're set. It could be huge. Can't wait for that. Uh, You know, my uh, Golden Eagles played last night, my Marquette Golden Eagles, and they knocked off Butler. And you just rudely ignore that. I mean, it's a short show. It's a two-hour show. I, we got to talk about Ash Wednesday, too. Like, I, I only have so much time in the in the show. I, did, I saw a little bit of it in the studio before I went home. But, like, Badgers, Bucks, the Super Bowl, I, I just got to prioritize, Tony. You know, I'm sorry. It's yeah. not personal. Oh, and I, and I do apologize to Jesus and God, our Lord Savior. I didn't. I didn't mention Happy Ash Wednesday to you. Did you have meat today? Have you had any meat? No, no, no meat, no meat. Okay, okay, good. Are you a big plant-based guy? 
I mix it up. I'm not, I'm not like Rogers or anything like, like these weirdos. I mix it up. I just try to be healthy and, 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 uh, you know, not, you know, I was going to ask you this before we leave. Yes. Do you ever get like, like when you're a kid, you know, you're just running around like a maniac and playing football with your buddies, tackle football, running in. You ever run into something or get really hurt bad as a kid? Um, actually I was pretty, I made it through my childhood pretty unscathed. I broke my wrist once. Um, nothing crazy. I've never had stitches. So I, I guess less than most, I, I never really had a crazy debilitating childhood freak injury. I, I, I was going out for a fly pattern, ran into a car in, 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 in the street, knocked out my two front teeth. Oh. To this day, 35 years later, it still is annoying and I have to replace them here and there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have anything like that. I, I don't know. I played in the yard with sticks. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where we were playing football I, all the time. So I guess that's kick the can maybe or something like that. Yeah, a little ghost in the graveyard, that type of thing. Yeah. I had a buddy who ran into a barbed wire fence because we had a buddy with a, a family farm and we'd go hang out there. That one was pretty brutal. Ah, kids, they just need to go out there and have fun. I love the river talk. I love the <laughs> Ash Wednesday talk, Grant. Best uh, best sports show going on in uh, in the Midwest. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for waiting. I'm glad I could get you in, and I'm glad that you had more than two minutes to say your piece in my class. Last Bucks talk of the for the while. Don't talk about the Bucks. They don't deserve our attention. I would agree with you, Tony. I, I appreciate you. And the, you know the funny thing is, Bill said something along those lines earlier today. Bill was like, "I watched for the first quarter, and the Bucks didn't look like they wanted to play, so I decided I didn't want to watch." And I'm sitting back here in the studio, fist pumping, like, "Hell yeah!" Tell him, Bill. I need to go back and find the quote made me laugh, whatever it was. Okay, we got one more call, and then we'll take our final break of the hour. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, Grant, it's Cone. Happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day. It's a great day. It is a great There's a lot going on, and we have a Badger's win to talk about, which makes it even better. Yeah, and on Tony's point about kids running around, the only injuries kids are getting these days are migraines from staring at their iPads too long. Yeah, ang- anxiety because they're they, you know they're on social media and they're scrolling TikTok all the time. Go outside and play kick the can or whatever it was they played back in Tony's day. Go have an airsoft war with your oh, friends. And your, that's yeah. what we did as a kid. Yeah, know, we, we, we did a lot of that. Yep. You played on a trampoline with no walls. You know, it'd be risky. <laughs> that's true. Yes, uh, I'm glad we have this parenting talk as a part of the show today. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. And Grant, you know, I'm a little heartbroken. You know, recently got dumped. It's Valentine's Day. You're oh. seeing all this over Instagram, and it's you know, it reopens those wounds. And I was also heartbroken for one of my closest friends. They went to the Bucks game last night as their Valentine's Day gift oh. with their significant other. Imagine that heartbreak. Effort. I might I, I might rather be recently dumped than than go through that experience last night. That's brutal. Yeah, maybe. But luckily maybe. we had the Badgers. Um, just a great win, you know, maybe not the prettiest win, but we needed that win. We needed it more than ever. So good to beat the streak. We got Ohio State's head coach fired, which is I don't know why, but it's kind of funny. It was a little odd. It's like, why? I don't know. The timing is weird. It's not like Wisconsin, some terrible team that they lost to at home. Like it is a little odd and bizarre. I didn't have a lot of time to read up on the Chris Holtman firing today. So that's on me. I have to be better, but it was odd. I agree. I think everyone thought it would happen based on the Ohio state stuff that I saw, but they just thought it would happen after the season. Yeah. I think Jameson battle that ugly guy. He's, he's a coach killer. (laughs) Sorry. I was taking a I was taking a drink of water. Yeah, the ugly kid. He's the one who got him fired. Crowell in store. I you were in the Twitter post game space last night. I thought Vagabond John made a good point about like if you can get Store and Crowell to combine for about thirty points, if you can expect thirty from those two on any given night, you're really setting yourself up. The Badgers are in a good spot to win. 
Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, listening to some of the the post game comments from Greg Gard and Stephen Crowell. You know, all about accountability, all about pushing each other. You know, Crowell said the coaches are just on me constantly about getting aggressive post, and and that's exactly what we saw last night. That's what needs to happen more from Crowell. I still wasn't, you know, a hundred percent on board with his effort last night, but definitely, definitely a big improvement from. Uh, this little skid they've been on. I think so. And to just stop the losing streak and to start to turn the ship around, you know, it takes a long time to turn a big boat around. You got to slow down. You got to turn. It's so hopefully now that they've put their foot down, they've stopped the streak. It's easier to then build on this game and then build on the next. And, you know, wins come in bunches, losses come in bunches, right? This is a sp- uh, principle of momentum in sports. Kona, I got to run. Appreciate your big Badgers win. I'm glad we got to talk about it today. And happy Ash Wednesday. Thank you, Grant. Happy Ash Wednesdays. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Damn it. Uh, yes, we... <laughs> I'm just going to go to break. I can't wrap it up any better. Three minutes, we'll come back, wrap up Hour 1. Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Got a tweet here at Wisco Grant. It's from Schuler. Says, are you going to cover the Packers free agents slash possible cuts closer to the draft? Scuttlebutt talk about Jair and others. Thanks for being awesome. Well, I do my best. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we will. In fact, I was talking to a buddy last night who's a huge draft guy. Gets really into the draft and, you know, studying up, you know, has fun doing the mock drafts. This year is my promise to you. I'm going to do more draft stuff on the show because I, I could take or leave the draft. Mostly there's some people that love the draft, like just as much as they love the football games. Like it's a fun thing and they get really into learning about all the players. And historically I've learned about, I don't like 20, 25 guys. Here's a, here's a list of like 10 people that the Packers could draft. And then I learn about all the guys once they draft them this year, the Packers have so many picks. I feel like I got to, I got to get after a little bit. So it is my promise to you. Yes. As we get closer to the draft, totally going to get more in depth on a lot of that stuff. And thank you for the reminder. Hold me accountable to that. Please hold me to that. Hour two. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Some NFL stuff next. Wisco Sports Show. Receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws. Caught, touchdown. It's caught. Hardman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So when I get into disagreements on Twitter, I try to limit myself to like one tweet. It's like, hey, if you want to argue with this person, you get one good response and then let it go. Because anything past that, it's just not worth it. You know the expression, nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens more than one tweet down the thread. Like we're not going to get there. Today, for whatever reason, I've really enjoyed fighting on Twitter because I jumped in the mentions of our friend Brian Sampson, Buck's Film Room. And pissed off some Heat fans, and I just keep going back and forth. And the way I'm viewing this exchange, I just, I just keep winning. 
and I, I'm just having a great time. Some of these fan bases are just so freaking bad at Twitter. Cubs fans, Cubs fans, the showing on Cubs Twitter is just lame. There's no humor. There's no snark. There's, there's no nothing. That's just, I mean, that, that Twitter, that segment of Twitter is like one of the gentrified Chicago neighborhoods. It's like, you guys, there's no character there. You're just occupying the space because someone has to. I just, I don't like it. And these Heat fans are just bozos. I can confidently say that the, that the fan base on Twitter that I would least want to get in a scuffle with is Brewers Twitter because Brewers Twitter's got nothing to lose. And, their, and Brewers Twitter is funny. You can't win. You can't win a ground war with Russia in the wintertime, and you cannot win a war against Brewers fans on the internet. You can't do it. Mostly because Brewers fans have already lost. We've been losing consistently since 1982. You can't take anything from us that we haven't already lost, okay? But Heat fans, it's like you guys are just, you're making it so easy. Some of these back and forth that I've gotten, and I never get in back and forth, but I, you know, it's it's like, um, what movie is it? Goodwill Hunting? where Will Hunting, I believe is his name, is like, this is so easy for me. It really is. And I'm sorry that I have to sit here and watch you mess it up. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this is so easy for me. I'm sorry that beating up on Heat fans on Twitter is so easy for me, but it is, and I'm enjoying it. Speaking of Brewers Twitter, we're going to have some Brewers guests tomorrow on Bill's show. Kurt Hogue, Chuck Freeman, Lockdown Brewers going to stop by. And at some point next week, or at some point very soon, I want to do a spring training special where we have some Brewers guests on. And what I'm going to attempt to do is over the course of a two-hour show, give you at least one fact or one comment or one take or one bit of information on every single player on the Brewers spring training roster. Every single one. Even if it's small, insignificant. Even if it's just a little, a little fun factoid about a player you've never heard of. That is my goal We'll pull that off. I'm also going to get more into the draft. I, I, I got my my irons in a lot of different fires here, okay? But we're looking to make 2024 our biggest and best year yet. So that means we need lofty goals. That means I need to come up with something to say about Jake Bowers. But I'm up to the task, I think. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I want to talk about the NFL playoffs here in just a sec. Because I think... As we get a couple days removed from the Super Bowl, we're in this Goldilocks zone where the Super Bowl is still fresh in our mind, but we've had a couple of days to stew and to kind of get some perspective and to ponder. So I think I think right now is maybe when our takes about the Super Bowl and the end of the year can be most accurate because it's fresh enough in our mind, but we've had a couple of days to sit. So I want to do that in a minute or two, but we've had some callers who are waiting, so I want to make sure I get to them. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Ghost in the Graveyard, Grant. That was a hell of a callback. Well, you never you played some Ghost in the Graveyard. I bet up in the Northwoods. You you guys weren't, oh, weren't going to yeah. what these kids are doing now. They're going to trampoline adventure parks and all the. Eh, not back in your day. You played in the woods up in. Uh, uh, why can't I remember? I it's on the tip of my Hurley, tongue. Grant. Hurley, Hurley, Highway fifty one, not fifty three. Very close to that river you're talking about. Jeff. Hurley, yes, of course. So yeah, I played Ghost in the Graveyard. A lot of cops and robbers. Uh, police and robbers. Sorry to use the politically. Uh, police and delinquents. I'll use politically correct language, unlike the way we did in our youth. I don't even know if that. I don't even know if we can. Yeah. Anyways, we'll, we'll move on from that. Moving on. Um. Did, so I love talking to the Super Bowl. I agree with your take. Real quick on the Badger game last night, it's just good to get a win. Uh, however, I will cold center shame a little bit. I get it. It's a Tuesday. I get it. It's late. Uh, you're not watching Peacock. You're there in person. You paid 50 bucks for a ticket. Stand up at least a couple times during the game. Okay. There's, my, uh, there's my rank for the I won't join. I, I, I do not. I do not engage stand. in this. I don't engage. 
If I'm going to walk there and I can still stand there in the game, damn it, you can too. Except for you, Dave. You can sit. Yeah, that's that um, was wild behavior from you. It's very wild. I respect with, it, though. I'm sitting in a straddle right now. I'm just trying to work out these hammies. It's tough. But um, <laughs> with the Super Bowl, here's here's my question today. And this kind of relates to a theme that obviously you and I have talked about for like two years now. Did John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan watch the same Super Bowl that we did? You talk about Steve Wilkes getting fired today? What the hell? I mean, yeah. it held Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to 19 points in regulation, seven of which came from a damn fumble, essentially, uh, on, on a special teams play that gave him the ball at your own 10-yard line. And you get a defensive coordinator, again, fired. Uh, I mean, that's ludicrous in my mind. I mean, even if you're a DVOA nerd, right? Like, they're, they, they finished top five in DVOA across the season. They get to the Super Bowl. They showed up in big moments. And look, I mean, you can point to that Super Bowl. Any number of one little play bounces the other way. The special teams unit doesn't miss a damn extra point. You win a Super Bowl. I was just reading an article of all the coordinators that have been fired and ones that are potentially going to get hired, and it was dated from like a week ago. And they're talking about this guy getting hired as a head coach somewhere. And today he's fired. So what? two things. And I, I figured you might bring this up if you called in last night because this has Vagabond John written all over it. I think two things are at play. No, number one, my first thought is what a Joe Barryan type situation we have here, right? Because Kyle Shanahan's offense had lots of chances to win that game. Now, it was the defense that ultimately gave up the game-winning score. But at that point, the offense had kind of fumbled around and had lots of three and outs. The offense had chances to put it away and couldn't. So it very much felt like we were watching a Joe Barry performance from San Francisco's defense. So I, I completely agree, and I, and I see those parallels. I also think, and maybe this is a point you could meet me halfway on, it's not always about performance. It's about vision, culture, right? There are other, and I think Kyle Shanahan said today, it's just the visions weren't aligning or we needed a new voice. Being a coordinator sucks, man, because you get blamed for stuff. And even if your unit's performing, sometimes you're still under the gun a little bit, especially if you're a defensive coordinator for an offensive-minded head coach. It's it's a really tough reality, and it doesn't always just come down to performance. This is a good lesson for that, so, I guess. Yeah, and I, I definitely will meet you halfway, and I think that's why uh, Kyle Shanahan absolutely has egg on his face here, right? Because you're telling me after less than 12 freaking months that you are all of a sudden not aligned? You didn't interview this guy correctly? Yeah. Like, who, who hired him, right, less than a year ago? Now, you're Shanahan. This is not the first coordinator, right? This is not the first Super Bowl you've been in. You know, and you're going to fire this guy and his and his job, take away his career, right? And you got to have egg on your face. And if you're John Lynch, you're sharing some of this too, because I'm sure, to your point, this isn't all surface area. It's not just what we see on the field. There's a lot of behind conversations happening. But they, they, did they just not properly interview this guy? And oh, no. I don't know. I just think Kyle Shanahan right now today, my Super Bowl take, what a joke. This dude, players weren't prepared. Fires his coordinator less than a year after hiring him, even though it helped him get to a Super Bowl. And, yeah, did they let up the last drive? Of course. They're also going against Patrick freaking Mahomes. And they're tired, right? And, like, a a defense is going to wear down a little bit over the course of a game. It was a very Joe Barry-type arc in that game Sunday night. I agree. Yeah. If you were to answer yes or no, right, did the 49ers defense give their team a chance to win that game? Oh, yeah. Yes. 100%. (laughs) And I feel the the same way about the Packers defense in the division round. Totally. Yes. Yeah. 
But, it, you know, for the analytical people out there, you watch that Super Bowl, you watch the last drive uh, leading up to overtime and then the last drive in overtime. There's two plays, like third and two and fourth and two. The Niners went all-out blitz, hardcore press man against Patrick Mahomes and absolutely got toasted. So I was watching that live and, you know, of course, my little my little smirk across my face like, oh, yeah, third and two, press man, all-out blitz, absolutely burned by Patrick Mahomes. Not sure how Packer fans handle absorbing that, but uh, no, I I think it's crazy. Uh, coordinators, Vic Fangio is the other one that gets fired after one year. Um, so now you have guys from different backgrounds, different teams. Because look, it's not like it's not like Wilkes was running the same stuff that you know everybody's mad about with Barry and Fangio. So no. I think we've got a crisis in the NFL. I think coordinators are just these head coaches, man. They're not taking responsibility, and and for that reason, I think Shanahan is egg on his face. So you just gave us so much to talk about. I want to continue to talk about it. Thank you, Vagabond John. Stretch out your hammies. You put in a shift last night. (laughs) Later, Grant. Have a good one. I think what we need is a coordinator union. That's what I'm hearing. We need to unionize. Oh, Roger can tell. His fist would come down so fast. It's like, excuse me, union? Who? When? Where? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. No. We need a defensive coordinator union. And this this is the tough reality of being a defensive coordinator for an offensive head coach or an offensive coordinator for a defensive head coach. Ask how Ken Dorsey feels after this year, being the scapegoat for Sean McDermott. And I know the bills looked a lot better post Ken Dorsey. I think a lot of that was flukiness and noise and and luck. Now I I think who was it? Joe Brady who took over did a better job of just reining Josh Allen in, in a little bit, but I mean, they were pouring on points. All the advanced numbers loved the bills offense. It was just Josh Allen was turning the ball over. And I, like Josh Allen sometimes just can't be an umskull. It's like, dude, you're playing Mac Jones. You don't need to you don't need to put the ball up on the pulley so many times and risk something bad happening. Just don't lose the game. And I think that's where Josh Allen can kind of falter. I don't know that that's entirely excuse me, the fault of his defensive or offensive coordinator. Look at Matt Canada, right? Or go back even further with the Steelers. Todd Haley or offensive coordinators with the Vikings under Zimmer. Uh Kubiak. Uh who was the who was the other one? I can't remember. Obviously, Stefanski was there at some point, but the the reality of being the other guy, being the number two that handles the side of the ball that the uh, that the head coach doesn't handle. As Packers fans, we just think, oh, defensive coordinators, they have it so rough. Well, yeah, because we've had an offensive head coach now forever. So it's the other guy, the defensive coordinator, that takes a lot of the blame and is occasionally scapegoated when things don't go wrong. But the same exists for offensive coordinators under defensive head coaches. That's a tough reality as well. And Sean McDermott is... You know, Tyler Dunn wrote about it earlier this year at Go Long. He scapegoated different offensive coordinators in the past. Um, I'm trying to think. Brandon Staley brought in Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is... The Kellen Moore discourse and the Kellen Moore reality, I think, are two very different things. Like, when he left Dallas, I was like, oh, man, Dak Prescott lost his guy. Dak had one of his worst career years in terms of touchdown interception. Made a lot of mistakes. Uh, now, the team won. But Dak Prescott threw a lot of picks last year. Kellen Moore, he's this this chosen child, goes to Los Angeles. The Chargers are worse, and Dak and the Cowboys get even better. And now he's supposed to be the OC that saves the Philadelphia Eagles? Mm, I don't know about all that. Okay? I don't know about all that. And look, Vikings fans understand this, too. This is This is a reality that can be shared by just about every NFL fan, except for the Chiefs and for the Patriots for a long time. Interesting. Right. Interesting that two of really the only two dynasties of this current era of football, let's say this millennium. So the year 2000 on the two dynasties have been defined by 
an all-time great head coach with a coordinator that's there. And, I mean, Dabo Sweeney had Venables forever, too, right? So this even applies to college. Now, that maybe makes what Nick Saban did even more impressive is because he just rotated through... It's like an internship. Being an OC for Nick Saban was an internship or or, or a fallback plan if you're a, a failure of a college head coach or an OC at a higher level or an OC in, in football in, in the NFL. It's like, well, I'll just fall back. I'll go be the OC for Saban for a year. We'll win a national title and I'll move along. But the dynasty's not named the Nick, Nick Saban Alabama Crimson Tide. You have the Patriots, who had Belichick forever, but Josh McDaniels is there forever as well. And then you have other points of stability. Dante Scarnecchia, who was the offensive line coordinator there forever, widely respected, maybe one of the best ever coaching that position and at that level. You look at the Chiefs now. They have Steve Spagnuolo, who's been their defensive coordinator throughout. Right? They just gave him a contract extension earlier today. Right? Dabo Sweeney, when Clemson was great, he had coordinator stability. And then Venables goes to Oklahoma and, you know, college football's changed a little bit. And obviously Clemson, not a dynasty on the level of Alabama or New England or Kansas City. But it is another example of how stability at coordinator is really important. And oftentimes when teams are struggling, they scapegoat that that coordinator, that other guy. And you can end up, you know, whipping through. And, and I give Kyle Shannon a lot of credit because for the most part, no matter who's been his D.C., the defense has been really good. Robert Sala just got a head coaching job. D'Amico Ryan's got a head coaching job. Steve Wilkes, the results were there defensively. I don't know that the effort was always totally there, but that's part of, you know, you build a bunch of guys along the defensive line who are pass rush specialists. Don't be mad when they maybe don't play well against the run or they don't have great pursuit when the play starts to head downfield. They're pass rush specialists. We knew that of Chase Young, right? We knew that of Javon Kinlaw. Like some of these guys, that's their, that's their blueprint is their pass rush specialist. So don't blame the coordinator when the guys in the in the, the defensive front that you specifically put there to rush the passer don't do much else other than rush the passer. Right? But an interesting decision to fire Steve Wilkes today. Very odd after that Super Bowl, but very Joe Barryan in that, yeah, the defense gave up ultimately the losing score at the end, but that defense gave the offense a lot of chances to go in that game. Just didn't do it. Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan couldn't do it. A lot of three and outs in that second half. Special teams gaffe, of course, as well. Very Joe Barry and very Packers. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, Grant's Clemhead Mike. Hey, Clemhead. How are you doing today? Happy Ash Wednesday. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> you too. Um, it's, it's a joyous yeah, day. I just love it. It throws people off. I, I, love, I love wishing people happy Ash Wednesday. And then when I see them this time of year, I just love to ask. So how's your Lent going? People never know how to answer it. I think it's funny. Yeah, I'll, I'm Catholic. I probably should have went somewhere today, but my wife and my wife's been extremely sick the last few days. So our our 46th anniversary was Sunday. Oh, congrats! And we didn't do anything because she was sick. And then today couldn't do anything for Valentine's because she's still really sick. So I got out of two uh, twice. No. Did um, you get her flowers? But, anyways, hope you got flowers. No, she doesn't like flowers. Oh, good. Okay, you know your wife. Don't to. listen to me. Well. We've yeah we've been together so long we know what we like so um, all right, all right. yeah I just wanted to, uh, this isn't why I called but I wanted to agree with Vagabond about uh, the the 49ers letting their defensive coordinator go well when I watched that defense this year when they pursue if you're knocked down on the right side of the play and the play goes left they'll get up and they'll chase anyway and they'll still make a tackle mm-hmm. and when they get their hands on you you're going down I mean this is a, I can't believe he fired his coordinator that was like the stupidest thing I've ever seen but we you know. You're right about all the points you made about offensive head coaches, defensive head coaches. They probably don't really have a clue what's going on the other side of the ball. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty stupid. Yeah, but, or that, that's but, just a button that those coaches push. It's like, oh, I need to make a change. I'll just fire my, yeah. my coordinator. 
you know, even even if it's not performance based, it's like, well, we need a new voice or visions right. aren't aligned or, you know, whatever. You can put whatever label on it you want. Yeah, I get the attention away from me. Um, I, I was going to suggest I have, you have the greatest show on radio. So we already know, all of us know that. Oh, Lord. But I was, had a suggestion for you. Um, you should give like Vagabond and uh, Tony from Texas and Cone Roller and uh, Eric and I. And I you should give them each every week. Give them a segment. Just give them a whole segment. <laughs> Oh God! Not just a phone call. Give them a, they basically give them a combined all do get their own segment and then some. They, well, they're not they're not short for airtime. I don't think. I don't think those those gentlemen are suffering. Uh, that's right. I enjoyed listening to them talk, and they, they you know they they don't get enough time to get everything out. I don't think so. That's just a suggestion. I think mm-hmm. that would be kind of fun. Just to, you know, like a Friday afternoon or something. Good to go to Eric and I ninety and <laughs> ask how many miles he's driven and. You know, that's basically every, I, I, that's every time we talk. It's something dumb that's not related <laughs> to the show at all. That's okay. We got to vary our, we got to widen our horizons, yeah. broaden our horizons a little bit, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, think about it. Give them these, maybe once a week, just give one of these guys a segment. I should just let him co host when I need a sick day. I think that's what I'll do. I'll just plug <laughs> Cone and Tony in and let them fill two hours. They could probably do it, no issue. Sure. It's not that yeah. hard after all. I can do it for God's sake. How hard could it well, be? Yeah, man, you're you're really quit being so self-deprecating. You're really good at what you do, so go with it. So anyway, that was my whole thing. I just wanted to say you should let those guys have a segment and let them rip. Let them rip. Well, I appreciate you, Clemhead. I always enjoy your calls. Thank you. It was nice to hear from you. Uh, Thanks. Always nice talking to you. See Mm -hmm. you later. Best wishes to your wife as she recovers from her illness. Good job not going to church today. You wanna you don't want to take those germs into church. You got a lot of. uh, a lot of old ladies in mass. Although every time I've been to an Ash Wednesday mass, it's been it's been a pretty youthful. People show up for Ash Wednesday, which is interesting because fun fact for the Catholics out there. Um, and now I'm gonna have to Google this right when we take a break because I'm 90 percent sure this is the case. I don't think Ash Wednesday is a holy day of obligation. I don't think you are obligated to go, and by that I mean you're not going to hell if you don't go. You should go. It's it's encouraged, but I don't think Ash Wednesday is a holy day of obligation. I don't think you have to go, so you're not going to hell. Uh, Clemhead Mike, you don't have to worry about that. And if your wife is sick, attend to her. Take care of her. Take care Take care of Mrs. Clemhead. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll continue the show if you're on hold. Stay there. I have a, a specific NFL thing that I want to talk about. I have this new theory. It's called a luck quotient. We'll discuss that next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show, want to change gears, talk about the NFL playoffs, and I want to build on a point that Tony in Texas first brought up a couple of days ago. The NFL playoffs, they're this slippery, sneaky, tangled mess. I'm going to try to untangle the NFL playoffs, make sense of what we just watched for the last month or so. Packers, a couple playoff games, beating the Cowboys, losing to the Niners. They're a part of it. We can work them into the conversation. That's coming up. But first, I want to take one call because this caller has been waiting patiently. And before we dive into some talk about the Super Bowl and the NFL playoffs, I want to make sure they have a chance to get in. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Eric on I-90. Eric on I- well, the The previously mentioned Eric on I-90. How are you today, Eric? I'm good on this. Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day. I'd like to thank our previous caller for 
putting in a good word for Eric on I-90. <laughs> your own segment. What would that look like every day if you were to have your own segment? You know, I don't know. There's no pressure on me when I give you a call, right? I don't have to produce anything. That's correct. There's nothing. Uh If I had a segment, then it would create pressure. And then it might not go as good as we think, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't want to sacrifice the quality of our current conversations. Yeah. I would hate for it. We wouldn't. Yeah. We wouldn't. (laughs) I mean, it's so... It's so in depth, you know. I am Eric on I ninety because I am on I ninety. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not on some other road trying to impersonate Eric on I ninety. And that's why identity theft protection is important because somebody could be driving around out here thinking they are me. I like to not. pretend I'm you every time I'm out there. You do. Yeah. Do you That's gatekeep really nice. Interstate I-90, do you think? I've been accused of gatekeeping things throughout this week, especially on Twitter. I don't think you gatekeep I-90. I think you just take ownership of it. I do, but I'm, I'm gatekeeping the name. Okay. Nobody else is going to take that name. Okay. That's my name. Okay. okay. And I thought it was just brilliant how it came out because I called in one day and somebody said, where are you at? I'm like, I'm on I-90, and it sucks. So it worked out. <laughs> and it's so it's- Organic. They got to be organic, right? They got to yeah. be organic. Yeah. But uh, you were talking about, let's talk about sports. I know this time is valuable, and I've taken up a lot of it, all right? You were mentioning how defensive coordinators take the blame. Like, you mentioned, yeah, well, you know, they gave up the winning drive. Well, usually it's the defense that does that, right? Yep. Yep. So somebody's got to be to blame. The, the offense can't give we, up the game. You are very correct. It has to be the defense to right. give up the game-winning drive. Totally. They give up the game-winning drive. Another thing, too, and I'm sorry about this, but I think if you look back at the Green Bay Packers history and Green Bay Packer fandom, they have blamed the defense for what at a lot of times was a great quarterback not being able to close out the game. I'm afraid. Right? The Seahawks game? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers should have been able to close that game. Yeah. They needed they needed a field goal or a touchdown or at the very least one prolonged drive to run right. the clock. Yep. Any one of those outcomes would have done the trick. You're right. Exactly. So, and um, again, this guy getting fired, I mean, that was, that was a really bad move on his part, I believe. Why would you do that? He doesn't have any idea how hard it is to have a good defensive coordinator, apparently. Right? Well, he knows, knows he knows nothing else. Every defensive coordinator he's ever had has been awesome, and his defenses right. have been talented. So right. you might actually be barking up the right tree there, yeah. Right. You don't. You know what it's like to have a bad defensive coordinator. You do, too, you at Donatel last year. You're more than familiar. Right. Listen, Mike Zimmer, at the end, bad defensive coordinator. He was. It got stale. It got stale. He had a good group of players. And that good, you know, that when they were really a good defense, you could only keep that chemistry and that for a certain amount of time as well, right? Right? It's, it just doesn't come up every day yep. for a team. So, um, yeah, we blame that. We do that a lot. We do that a lot. And, uh, and you were talking about luck. I mean, I can't see a better game to – Talk about having the, the luck of the bounce. I mean, that was, you know, that ball doesn't hit that guy's calf and that 
game, I think I think San Francisco's the champs. Yep. And all those kids in Laos and would have bed spreads that were correct. And Laos? Oh my god. It took so, me a second to pick up on what you were saying there. Yeah, now I get it. The kids these, uh, underprivileged kids abroad, correct, who received those shirts. The under underprivileged kids abroad. The clothing insecure. The their clothing would be correct. Yet we don't care that they're running around not knowing who the Super Bowl champ is. No. They got bigger problems. That's okay. Deal. That's okay. They really do. They don't really care, do they? So oh my God. That's just my little take of the day. And, I think that's perfect. You know, I hate I hate the heat. Hate the heat. I hate them. Yeah. Well, that's a strong word, but I just really don't like them very much at all. I don't. Not one bit. <sighs> I don't either. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the Bucks heat thing. I just, I don't know. I don't. We'll see where, where the season ends up, but if they end up playing each other in the playoffs, I just... I just might not want to be alive anymore. We'll see where it goes. Eric, I'll let you go. Drive safely and happy Ash Wednesday to you and Miss I-990. Yeah, yeah. and and to you and Miss Wisco. You yeah, guys Miss have a wonderful evening. Yeah, you as well. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, goodbye. Uh, just remember, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. That's Has any caller ever signed off in a more ridiculous yet ice-cold way than Cone Roller did before the 5 o'clock hour? Just remember, Grant. From dust you came to dust you shall return. It's like, Jesus, well, you're just talking Badger's hoops. Stephen Crowell, you're going to drop an ice-cold bar on me like that? Yeah, I think luck is is a big part of the NFL postseason. Let's talk about that. I've been teasing it now for a half hour. My favorite thing to do as a host of a radio show is to tease a topic for two hours and then never get to it. I asked Bill earlier today when we did Buy or Sell. It was a thrilling segment. First time we've done it in a while. And I, and I asked Bill... Basically, how much would you blame Kyle Shanahan if you were a fan? That was kind of the, the what I was trying to get at. If you were a Niners fan, Bill, how much would you be blaming Kyle Shanahan this week? Some? None? A little? A lot? All? Would you think that this loss is his fault exclusively? What, what, what would you think? Try to put your mind in the mind of a Niners fan, right? I don't like chalking up football games to luck. Seen a lot of tweets this week. Kevin Cole used to be a pro football focus. A lot of guys used to be a pro football focus, it seems. Just talking about how all these games are filled with little coin flips, and it's it's mostly flukiness, and it's mostly luck. And Andy Reid and the, the Chiefs have gotten good luck, and the Niners gotten a lot of bad luck. I don't like chalking up games to 100% luck. I just don't do it. I don't like minimizing sports to that. Like, whenever anyone talks about the NBA, it's like, well, it's a make or miss league. It's like, well, then, if that's the way it is, then I will miss the game. Because if it's just a bunch of coin flips and three-point shots... I'm not interested. I believe that there's something else at play other than just shots falling and shots not falling, right? But we do need to recognize the role that luck plays. It plays a role. It's not all luck. It's not all chalked up to luck, but luck certainly plays a role in these these playoff runs. And I have a theory that in the NFL playoffs, and this is a very Eric on I-90 take. Eric, I think you'll be nodding along with me as you listen. I think that NFL playoff teams have a certain luck quotient going into the postseason they have a total number of luck and you only get so much okay you only get so much luck right so for example let's say the Packers go into the postseason you might get lucky once you might get lucky twice you might get lucky in one game maybe two but over the course of wild card divisional conference round and the Super Bowl you are going to need to win probably two of those games 100% of your own volition Right now, you might rely, I think, back to the Packers playoff run in 2010. 
I think what they did to the Eagles, I actually think they experienced a little negative luck against the Eagles with some drops, right? But that was a close game. They got the interception from Tamon Williams at the end. I would have to go back and specifically watch that game to see if the Packers got real lucky or unlucky. I think I think that game, as far as luck goes, the way I remember is kind of a wash. Then they go to Atlanta and they blast the Falcons. Luck had nothing to do with that game. There's no, there's no, there was none of their luck quotient was used in that game. If they have a total supply of luck, a 10 out of 10, they did not use a single drop of luck in that Atlanta game. So then they go into the Chicago game. They get a little bit lucky. Yeah. Jay Cutler getting hurt. They end up playing against Caleb Haney. That's a little luck. I also think like Brian Urlacher picked off Aaron Rodgers and should have housed it and somehow got ankle tackled by a soft little California quarterback at the time in Aaron Rodgers. But I think the Packers experienced a little bit of positive luck there. So my point over the course of the postseason, it's really hard for a team to get lucky in this game and then this game and then in this game. At some point in the playoffs, you're going to have to blast a team and beat them completely separate of any turnover luck, beat them completely separate of any officiating luck or bounced ball luck. Like you need to blast a team at some point in the postseason. And you go and you look at, you know, these teams have gone on Super Bowl runs. There's typically one game where you just throw your hands up in the air and you say, well, that luck had nothing to do with that one. Okay. There's always a team like that in a run. Now, these tiny, these dynasty teams, they seem to always get the luck. I think the Patriots and the Chiefs maybe have risen above the luck quotient because there were games with the Patriots. It's like they would skate by the skin of their teeth over and over again. And, and, and part of that is they had the character of a team that was very comfortable in close games. They were very comfortable with, with a game constantly hanging on a knife's edge. They were the team that was very good at not making the mistake. And their opponent would always make the mistake. So I I think it was a little bit different than they were simply the dynasty team and God smiled upon them with favor. I think it was a little bit more than that. But these dynasty teams seem to make their own luck. Take the Chiefs, take the, the Patriots out of it. I mean, look at the Niners. Okay, the Niners are a perfect example of having a luck quotient and 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 your quotient will run out at some point. I thought the Niners messed around and almost found out against the Packers. Their defense showed up and put together a half butt effort, half butt effort, as Dave Ramsey would say. I'm not Dave Ramsey, so I can say half ass. <laughs> I said it. Half assed effort against the Packers. They didn't tackle well in the running game. They had poor pursuit down the field. Pretty poor effort from Chase Young and some of those pass rush specialists that didn't really contribute in other facets of the game. I thought Brock Purdy got really lucky, uh, threw an interception right at the midst of Darnell Savage, got away with that. So I think the Niners used up a lot of luck. A big portion of their luck quotient was used up in that Packers game. But the Niners are also really good, and they're playing at home throughout the course of the postseason. So they have luck still left to be used. They go into the Lions game. Let's say they have five out of ten of their luck quotient. They used a lot of luck against the Packers, but they didn't use all of it. They go into that Lions game. Man, the fluke to Ayuk was the defining play of the game, right? Uh, Josh Reynolds or Craig Reynolds, Craig Reynolds, I, I think the, the wide receivers at Josh or Craig. I think it's Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds had the ball go right off his hands on fourth down. Jameer Gibbs fumbles the ball on first down, just completely blown plays by Detroit that end up being lucky in the favor of the Niners. I contend that the Niners used up all of their remaining luck. The rest of their luck quotient was burned in that Lions game. By the time they got to the Super Bowl, I think the Lions used up all of their luck. Tell me, tell me, go back and watch that Super Bowl over again and tell me that the the Niners just didn't have any luck remaining because every bounce ball went against them. That special teams play went against them. They, 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 all of the bounces, all of the things, all of the coin flips, all the decisions, everything went the way Kansas City. And I contend 
the way these playoff runs work is you can't rely on getting lucky every week. You run out, right? You have a certain supply of luck that the football gods give you. And if you use it all up against the Packers and Lions, you got nothing left for the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs. Does that make sense? 2014 is, I think, the most pivotal and impactful year in the NFL, the most pivotal playoffs that we've had, especially on the NFC side. But it, it, it correlated and, and uh, correlated is not the right word I'm looking for. It came to a head in the Super Bowl. So I was trying to say. So round one, you had Cowboys Lions and that game was decided at the end in part by the lack of a pass interference call on the Cowboys that probably should have been called. That allowed the Cowboys to advance, and that kept the Lions from advancing. That had impacts on, it was one of the better Lions teams that Stafford had. It was one of the better teams that Detroit had, and that kept them from advancing. It boosts the Cowboys up into the game against Green Bay, the divisional round at Lambeau Field. Now, I think the Cowboys used up just about all their luck quotient in Detroit the week before. So now the Cowboys, or the game, The game, to be fair, could have been in Dallas. It probably was in Dallas. So when I say in Detroit, they used it up against Detroit. The Cowboys then go to Green Bay. They're out of luck, and the Des dropped it moment happens. Now, Aaron Rodgers was also unbelievable in that game, and the Packers were really, really good. But the Cowboys were really, really good that year, too. DeMarco Murray was unbelievable. That offensive line was basically as good as you can get an offensive line to be. Tony Romo, Des Bryant, I mean, that was a really good team. Jason Witten, excellent team. But it came down to kind of a fluky play. The Cowboys, who got lucky the week before, I think their luck quotient ran out. And you notice that the week after against the Packers. Okay, so the Packers advance on a little bit of luck. Then the Packers go to Seattle, and having used up a lot of their luck quotient a week before against the Cowboys, basically have every bounce of the ball, the onside kick, the coin flip, all of the things go against them in Seattle the next week. Now, Seattle advances to the Super Bowl, Uh, we can assume along this line of logic using up all of their luck quotient the week before they get unlucky on the goal line and Malcolm Butler comes down with one of the more improbable interceptions in NFL history and the Patriots end up winning because of course in in this trickle down luck economical system who benefits of course Tom Brady and the Patriots it all comes back to Tom Brady and the Patriots so not only was Aaron Rodgers kept out of his second Super Bowl Russell Wilson was kept from winning his second Super Bowl. The Legion of Boom kept from winning their second Super Bowl. And Tom Brady gets another ring. Wild. I mean, mean, also, the Cowboys kept out of the conference championship game. Would have been their first time there since the 90s. Crazy results. History-altering, franchise-direction-altering results. Like three or four of them in a row. And I would contend in 2014, all had a lot to do with luck. Each team that advanced used up their luck quotient the week before. And, of course, it comes to a head in Mr. Lucky himself the dynasty at the time, the Patriots getting another ring. I know you can't quantify this. I know you can't measure this with numbers, but tell me that I'm wrong. Watching these playoff runs and the way that teams advance and the way that these games are decided because they're all close in the NFL. I think it's it's science. Well, it's not science, but I, I think there is a science to this. And I think there's a science in a way that you can think about it. Every team's got a certain amount of luck. And if you want to go on a long run and make a Super Bowl, I think these teams at some point in the postseason need to beat the uh, the opposition completely and 100% of their own volition. Like, you need to blast an opponent at some point. You need to have a win where you don't use up any good karma, where you don't use up any good luck, because you're going to need all of it to win four or three straight playoff games, depending on if you have a bye. And I, I think, like, look back at the Packers. Blasted Atlanta. No luck involved. They didn't need to use up any of their luck quotient in that game. Does this make sense? I think it's making sense as I say it. I hope that's translating to to you. 608-321-1670. We'll take some calls first. We got to take a five-minute break. Let's go sports show back after this. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Got about 10 minutes left. One NFL topic that I was stewing on today. We didn't really have time to get to it. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm trying to figure out what the biggest topic will be surrounding the NFL this offseason. The easy answer is the Bears with the number one pick and the decision that they make. Where might Justin Fields end up if they decide to trade that pick? Who's going to be trading for it? Right. And who could ultimately end up with Caleb Williams? I think the odds are pretty heavy that they just draft Caleb Williams and then they figure out the Justin Fields part of the equation later. That seems like the easy answer to be the NFL's biggest story this year. I just have a hard time believing that the biggest story of this offseason is going to involve the Chicago Bears because the Chicago Bears haven't been relevant in so long. And even when you're picking at the top of the draft and fans of the NBA will understand this and get this when you're picking at the top of the draft year after year after year. People just kind of like stop caring. Like, look at the Houston Rockets. How many times have they picked at the top of the draft? It's like, mm. oh, they're up there again. You kind of you kind of just run out of interest. It's like, okay, until you guys figure it out, we're just going to kind of stop paying attention. And Bears fans, if you're listening, I don't mean this is a slight. I think it's just reality. The Bears have been picking at the top of the draft for year after year after year. It's, we want something new. We want something different. We want something interesting. And I, I just struggle to conceive of an NFL offseason where the Chicago Bears are the number one talking point. I just, I struggle with that. I do. And maybe, maybe that turns out to be the case, but I just have a hard time seeing it. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Yeah, you got Darnell. Hey, Darnell. I was wondering if we'd hear from you today. Thank you for joining our post-game space last night. Was that not just a great time? It was a great time. Great conversation. Great topics. So, um, I want to talk about your little luck quotient here. Yes. Does that also work negatively? Like, a team can have negative, a negative luck quotient that, they like uh Ebo always says the the nut nut kick continuum yes in wisconsin sports like that kind of that kind of equates to a negative luck quotient wouldn't you say i think so i think what you're hinting at is and maybe you would have to come up with a different word for this i think when a team comes up short in the playoffs year after year it sticks with them like a like a stench you know what I mean? And I think that started to affect the Packers to the point where, like, in 2020 against the Bucks, they had no reason to be tight in that game. They were at home, right? This is the best team they've had in a while. But because I think the weight of all of those previous playoff failures were on their shoulders, that weighed them down. And, and I start to think about a team like the Buffalo Bills. They've come up short repeatedly. Or the Niners now, they've come up short repeatedly. I, I think losses from previous years, I think that sticks with you. Is that kind of what you're hinting at? Or are you talking about something else entirely here? I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of talking more about just uh, things that are outside your control when it comes to like football games. Um, the Packers, in particular, okay, um, yeah, just and and maybe that's you know maybe maybe it's out of control as a Packer fan, right? Mm-hmm. You think that they're out of the out of their control, but they are actually things that they could work on if they had better hands. They, it just seems like if there's a if there's a 50-50 ball, it's going to go against the Packers. If there's a 50-50 call, it's going to go against the Packers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that way really going back for the last decade or, not, or so. 
um, in in big in big situations. I don't. I don't know if I can speak to that. I don't know if I feel the same way that you did. I, I feel that the Niners that just went on a run. Just speaking to this last playoff run, I think the Niners. You know, one example is against the Packers, against the Lions, and I even noticed it early on against the Super Bowl when or in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs had like a, a third and one like I thought a couple of times throughout this postseason run between the Packers the Lions and and the Chiefs they picked up a third down or, or a third and short or, or even a fourth and short in the case of the Packers and the refs like just shorted them a little like I think the Niners got some spot luck so I think the Packers got on the other side of that coin some negative spot luck in that game but I I don't look back at that Packers Niners game in the division round and think that they got a lot of bad luck honestly I mean they missed a kick Aaron, Aaron, or not Aaron Rodgers. Jeez, Jordan Love missed a couple of throws. I don't know if I feel the same way about this, the, like the officiating and, and the bad luck. I don't, I don't know if I match you on this one, Darnell. Okay, maybe, maybe not this year. Okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm more looking back just as a, as a general rule in Packers playoff lore going back a decade or so. Like it just, it just seems like any time they could get a break, they don't. Um, and and maybe, maybe that goes to. You know, they had all this luck in <laughs> they had all this luck in the sixties and then they had that oh. run out in the seventies and eighties. And then they had all this luck at the beginning of Favre <laughs> and then it ran out at the end of Favre and then they had this luck at the beginning of Aaron Rodgers, right? They went to a Super Bowl, went fifteen and one and then it ran out. Yeah. And then now, you know, maybe maybe they get their luck back with Jordan Love here, second year starter, New Orleans where Lil Wayne is. You know, maybe, maybe there's a little, a little script writing going on there. Yeah. Interesting. So this is big brain, Darnell. I need to think about this and I appreciate the call. We'll talk again soon. We're just coming up towards the end of the show here. So you're claiming that a luck quotient, as I have theorized here, does not just exist over the course of a three or four game playoff run, but it exists over eras it's like hey you were too good in the 60s and the 70s but that but that's the thing like the Packers weren't good enough to get unlucky in the 70s and the 80s that's the problem that's the problem with that theory now you could just talk about general karma like the Packers were good in the 60s they were a dynasty with Lombardi so like the sports gods just decided it was going to take them 20 years to get good again I don't really ascribe to that though just because the Packers are so poorly run in those decades like I and that's why when Aaron Rodgers was on his way out the door and, and we had conversations on the show where it's like, do you want to go back to the seventies and eighties? I don't think we're going back to the seventies and eighties, even if Jordan love sucks because the Packers are so poorly run in that era. And I don't think that of them now. And actually as an owner, I, I feel pretty strongly in, in the opposite direction as, as someone who's a part of the ownership group and who directly manages. I'm a hands-off owner, but still I'm, I'm in these conversations. I'm in these, I'm in these meetings. I think the Packers are very well run. So I think it's pretty hard to have a 20-year slump if you're a well-run franchise. You can get unlucky here and there. I don't know. I, I don't think the Packers got unlucky down the stretch this season a lot. Uh, I think the Niners got a little spot luck on third and fourth down, and I mentioned that we talked about that on Monday. And maybe that that was part of the luck that ran out and you know the fumble luck. The Packers got a break against the Niners, and the Keyshawn Nixon fumbled that ball. I mean, that fumble recovery... <laughs> I don't even remember. Was it Dallin Levitt? No, I think they cut him. Damn it. I don't even remember who it was. There's no justice in the world. I think it was the best play of the game. That fumble recovery on the kickoff, and I don't even remember who it was. That was that was a lucky play, like bounce of the ball play. That was also an awesome recovery. It was a really skilled football play. But I don't look back at this last Packers playoff run, and I, I don't look through the years and think that they got unlucky a lot. The onside kick, yes. 
We're running out of time. I wish we had another half hour to talk about this. But I do think, and I mentioned this to Darnell, I think previous playoff losses sit on the shoulders of these teams that they go into. And that's going to start weighing on the Bills. I know it started to weigh on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The Bills keep coming up short. It's going to start to sit. Like Josh Allen's going to walk into these playoff games with the weight of previous losses on his shoulders because it builds. The more you come up short, the more people talk about how you're coming up short. And that goes into the next game and the next game and the, the pressure builds. It's, it's exponential growth. So that we could talk about more. Darnell, I, I love what you're going for. I just don't know if I can meet you on that take. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm sure we'll reconvene and, and agree on something else in the very near future. Let's take our last break. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. There's too much confusion. Final segment. we got about 30 seconds. If you missed it, check out the podcast tonight. Go back. Catch the Ty Windish interview. Eurostep podcast. Great Bucks content. Tomorrow, I want to figure out what the biggest NFL story of the offseason is going to be. I just kind of refuse to believe that it involves the Chicago Bears. Not a diss, but you can only pick at the top of the draft so many times before people stop paying attention. Evo back tomorrow as well. Thank God. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.